What's going on, party people? My name is Stephen Bagel, and I am the host of the Bird Rights Podcast. It is one of the best days of the year. It is NBA opening night. Obviously, they have the 75th anniversary, so they're releasing the top 75 players of all time, which is something that, you know, we only get every 25 years. So let's embrace it, let's enjoy it, and let's have a great season. Going to sign their extension. His trade value is not there. And when you hear reports, he paid $16 million of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their contract. next year with Giannis Tenacupo? He will be eligible for a Supermax next summer. If he resigns, a new reality is the players are going to move around and the players are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole money in a life. And because they didn't want to go into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making $50 million he to find a year. He probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free agency. I think agency. he could have got a lot more in the offseason. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got to secure it, man. No question. Today, I wanted to talk about the rookie extensions that were signed over not just the past week, because there was guys like Luka Doncic and Trey Young and Michael Porter Jr. who signed a few weeks back. But yesterday, 6 p.m. was the deadline to sign any of the 2018 draft class to extensions. So I wanted to, you know, go a little bit in depth about those. So let's start with Luka Doncic. His is five years, 207.1 million. Luka was eligible for the Supermax rookie contract extension because of the fact that he's made an all-NBA team, as opposed to, you know, Trey Young or even Michael Porter Jr., or SGA, all of them, they all got five years, $172.5 million. I believe that fifth year does have a player option on the end for all of them. And he, I guess the most staggering, I would say, would be Michael Porter Jr. out of those. Because Trey Young, we know he's a perennial all-star. We saw what he did in the playoffs last year. SGA, obviously OKC's rebuilding right now, but he's going to be a star. And MPJ, I think, is in that category as well, as he's going to be a star. But clearly, there's the injury concerns, the back concerns. Everything that made him fall in the draft back in 2018, where he fell to number 14th overall. So, yeah. We then really got into it yesterday morning, which was October 18th, when we saw, you know, a Woj bomb that Jaron Jackson was getting four years, $105 million. And don't get me wrong, I am a huge Jaron Jackson Jr. fan. I am one of the biggest Jaron Jackson Jr. fans that there is. He was number two on my big board behind Luka in 2018. So I'm a huge believer in him. I think he's a great compliment to John Morant. I think he could very well play himself into that kind of money. With that said, he needs to play himself into that money because he's not there yet. He's not a $25 million a year player. I love what he could do. He's a big man who could shoot threes and protect the rim, put the ball on the floor a little bit. He does a little bit of everything. I love his game. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player. On my other podcast, The NBA Goal, I actually did a top 25 in in five years. And I had Jaron Jackson Jr., I believe... In the 10 or 11 range. So I think he's going to be, you know, a top 10 player in the NBA. That's the ceiling for Jalen Jackson Jr. So first I saw this morning Keith Smith of Spotrack and 
Keith is someone, uh, salary cap maestro. So he's someone I really respect in the industry, really knows what he's talking about. He tweeted that Jaron Jackson's contract is four years fully guaranteed. And not only that, though, it's a descending contract. So it starts at 28.9 million, goes down to 27.1, goes down to 25.2. Then in the 2025 26 season, it's a 23.4. And these contracts actually become more tradable because they're, you know, they're declining in price when most contracts usually rise in price, if that makes sense. So first I saw that and I was like thinking back on, and as you guys know, I'm a Sixers fan. I was thinking back on when Joel Embiid signed his contract, his rookie extension. And for Embiid, there was a clause that basically said, oh, if you get injured and don't play this amount of games, we could void the contract. Luckily for Embiid, it never came to that. Luckily for the Sixers, it never came to that because you know they got the star player to play. But I was like, there has to be some kind of clause for Jaron Jackson Jr. I know it's fully guaranteed. <clears throat> and then I saw Joe Varden from The Athletic. I don't know if he's a Grizzlies beat writer for The Athletic, but he writes for The Athletic. He's an NBA writer for The Athletic. He basically said that there's a team protection in case of further injuries. However, I was completely unable to find these injury, this um, what the exact clause in that contract extension was. But let's say, you know, he tears the meniscus again. He's out for the whole year, which I don't know why he was out for a full season with only a torn meniscus anyway. That's pretty rare for a player. But with that said, Memphis got some kind of protection on, you know, that asset. So, God forbid the injuries persist. They could buy the con. Again, I wish I had the details for you guys. If somebody has found it, please DM me on Twitter at the underscore NBA goal to let me know. And that way I could talk more about it on a future podcast. Next, we have Wendell Carter, and he did a similar thing to Jaron Jackson where his contract declines in price each year, making him more tradable. You know, if Orlando needs to cash in some of their assets to get a guy in a few years, or Mo Bamba emerges this year, Mo Bamba looks great in the preseason. So it wouldn't shock me if, you know, he ends up overtaking Wendell Carter. And I like Wendell Carter, so I'm not saying that to knock on him. But, you know, when you have that many young assets, that many bites at the apple... You got to play your best guys. And if Mo Bamba, you know, realizes that potential, then all of a sudden you got to play him. The next big domino to fall, I believe it fell before Jaron Jackson, but it was Mikhail Bridges for four years, 90 million. I think this is very fair value. It makes him top 10 paid at the position, but I think he's, you know, we always knew what he was going to be coming out of Nova off the national championship. So it's not surprising me that he's already a near $100 million player in the league off his rookie contract. But what was weird, it was, okay, Mikhail Bridges signed for $90 million. I think he deserves that. But then out of nowhere, you see Landry Shamit, who was just traded to the Suns this offseason, signed four for $43 million. And I was like, okay, Landry Shamit does not, I know the Suns are going to not have cap space regardless, so keep your guys. But that's such an overpay for Landry Shamit. But then I saw on Twitter that Landry Shamit only the first two years of his deal are guaranteed. So that makes it easier to swallow. That makes it more of the Grayson Allen contract extension of more 
more closely resembling two for 20 or something along those lines. But if I was DeAndre Aiden, I would be pissed off. Because, okay, Mikael Bridges, I get it. He's a wing, and wings are nowadays the most valuable position in the NBA. Wings are so hard to come by, especially 3 and D ones like Mikael Bridges. And not only that, but Langey Shamit is strictly a shooter at this point. He doesn't really put the ball on the floor, not a great handler, doesn't really pass well, doesn't have great court vision, doesn't have a high IQ. And Mikael Bridges was at least a starter for the team that went to the championship. Langey Shamit hasn't even played a game in his son's uniform yet. So if I'm DeAndre Aiden, I'm saying, yo, you took me number one overall. I've done nothing but improve. And I got better and better and better as the playoffs went on and helped. I was a huge cornerstone onto why we made it to the finals. And Robert Sarver is so cheap that he wouldn't extend me. Now, Sarver, I think, has now passed Tillman Fertitta as the worst owner in the sport. Tillman Fertitta, we always see him pinch pennies. I talk about him all the time. Doesn't want to go into the luxury tax. And ultimately, he lost James Harden because of it because Houston was never able to, you know, get past that Golden State hump and win a championship. So as a result, James Harden requested a trade. Now they're rebuilding. Sarver's been owner of this bad team for a long time. And they're finally good. And you finally have the pieces in place. Chris Paul with all these young guys that got you to a championship. And you don't even want to sign him. I mean, you had DeAndre Aiden there. What do you want to do? You want to have him go into a shit to free agency then have to match whatever he gets signed on an offer sheet? Because I guarantee you, shout out to um, Trey from the Bold State BSBP podcast, the Bold Saving Bold Prediction, on the Hoopon Network as well. He DM'd me today and said, what do you think of the idea of DeAndre Aiden going to the Spurs? And while he will be restricted, he said, what if he plays on the qualifying offer next year and then, you know, signs a max as an unrestricted the following year? And I said, no, and we both agreed. No player's ever done it, so I can't imagine it happening. But to be a big FU to a solver, DeAndre Aiden should pull something like that. Because there's only three teams with cap space this summer. It's San Antonio, it's OKC, and it's Orlando. Three teams that all seem to be rebuilding, but, you know, DeAndre Aiden could be one of the guys to get a deal from them because just about two of them definitely need a big man in OKC and San Antonio. Orlando, maybe not as much because they have Wendell Carter and Mobamba, as I just talked about, but it's going to be interesting to see how this DeAndre Aiden saga plays itself out because there's reports that he's not happy now. He does want to be there. He's, you know, he's rightfully mad because he didn't get this contract extension while both Mikhail Bridges and Landry Shamit did. So, and not only that, DeAndre Aiden wanted Trey Young money. He wanted that 5 for 172, and they didn't give it to him. Mikhail Bridges, 4 for 90, and Landry Shamit's guaranteed 2 for 20 or 4 for 43 if he plays out the whole contract are a lot easier to stomach for Phoenix than in addition to also paying Aiden 5 for 172. But in a small market, I know it's difficult to pay the luxury tax, but when you're this close to a championship, you do what you got to do, and now you just pissed off your number one pick franchise center who's only 23 years old. 23 years old? 22 years old? He's young. 
who's only getting better. It's just, I, I can't fathom what Sarvo was thinking with that. The next one is Grayson Allen that I want to talk about. Grayson Allen got two guaranteed deals for, I believe, about $19.5 million guaranteed. $500,000 is in, in like unlikely incentives. But if I'm Dante DiVincenzo, I'd be in the DeAndre Aiden camp of being pretty pissed off. Because Dante DiVincenzo was, I know he didn't play in the championship because of injury, but he was a starting shooting guard for a team who won the championship ultimately. Grayson Allen's never played a game in the jersey, and he got a two-year, $20 million contract extension, and DiVincenzo got nothing. So I don't know if this is the Bucs being concerned about DiVincenzo's injury. He doesn't really have that extensive of an injury history, so I can't imagine that being the issue. But... DiVincenzo was an integral part of a team who won a championship. Again, I know he didn't play in most of the playoffs and in the finals. But how can you pay Grayson Allen over him? I mean, I just... I don't know. Maybe Grayson Allen's a better player in the Bucs system than DiVincenzo is, and we'll see that. It's hard to judge when Grayson Allen's never played the game. Grayson Allen was good for the Grizzlies last year. The Grizzlies are the deepest team in the league just about, and he still found a way to get minutes on them. Tonight, with Dante DiVincenzo out still, Grayson Allen was a starting shooting guard. So maybe I'll eat my words and say, okay, Grayson Allen did deserve it over DiVincenzo. But I just think a guy who was a starter, and we got to keep in mind, DiVincenzo got traded in the Bogdan Bogdanovich deal to Sacramento in the signing trade that they ended up being fined for tampering for. So DiVincenzo, they already tried to trade. So maybe he's fallen out of favor in Milwaukee. I'm going to be interested to see when he's fully healthy. If, you know, he reclaims a starting shooting guard job, if they give to Grayson Allen, because Grayson Allen's a $20 million man now, and DiVincenzo isn't. I know the contract extension doesn't kick until next year, but, you know, you're going to want to see the guys you pay develop. We also saw Time Lord get paid. This one was weeks ago, but you saw Robert Williams, a very raw center, great rim protector, great rim running big man for the Boston Celtics, he got four for 54, and, you know, when he was in the draft, a lot of people compared him to DeAndre Jordan or poor man's DeAndre Jordan, and then, you know, you're starting to see those flashes. I think the Celtics have to start him. I know Al Horford currently has COVID, and he's out for at least the season opener tomorrow, but you got to see what you have in time, Lord, and, you know, Brad Stevens paid him accordingly. And it's telling what Brad Stevens has done with the team because he was a coach last year, and now you get to see what he thinks of the players now that you know he's managing and he's the general manager of the team. So you could see he wasn't fond of Kemba Walker. Even though he played him, he was a starting point guard when he was a coach. The second he became GM, he shipped him off to OKC and got off a first-round pick in order to do that. He became GM. He extended Time Lord. So clearly, he thinks Time Lord can be promising, which is ironic because he didn't play Time Lord. For those of you who don't know, Time Lord is Robert Williams, the Celtic center. His name is Time Lord because, you know, after he was drafted, he missed his first press conference because he overslept and missed the team playing, and he was always late for everything, so that's how he got that nickname. But anyway, Time Lord was never... He was... I don't want to say in the doghouse oftentimes with Brad Stevens, but he never found that consistent playing time. A lot of times he was in foul trouble. A lot of the time he was undisciplined or didn't know where to be on defense. You know, now he's finally starting to put it together, and clearly Brad Stevens believes in him because he's the one 
who's now the GM and extended him. The last one I want to talk about is Kevin Hodo. Kevin Hodo played absolutely phenomenal in the playoffs last year for Atlanta. We saw Atlanta go to the Eastern Conference Finals, and Kevin Hodo was a huge part of that. When Bogdan Bogdanovich was out last year, Kevin Hodo's a guy who stepped up. Now, while he's still probably coming off the bench for them, you know, this is another salary Atlanta can use to land a big fish alongside Trey Young, John Collins, and even Capella. Let's say, for example, a Bradley Beal wants out. I think, you know, Ben Simmons aside and Sixers aside and Daryl Morey pulling his voodoo magic, I think the Atlanta Hawks are just about as compelling of a package as anybody to get a guy like Bradley Beal or any other star that would become available. They have on rookie deals, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Onyeka Kongwu, Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper. They have all those guys. And then now they have the salary to match in Danilo Gallinari and Kevin Herter and Bogdan Bogdanovich and even Clint Capella and John Collins if they need to. I can't imagine them trading Trey Young because the whole point of getting a star is to pair Trey Young with them. But, you know, all of a sudden the Hawks got expensive quick. For a team that had the most cap space in the NBA, not this past offseason, but the one before that, I mean, they paid Bogdan, they paid Gallinari, they paid Collins, they paid Capella, they paid Trey Young, and now they paid Herter. So this team is expensive really quick. And that's not a bad thing. Right now they have no bad money on the books, and that's a good thing. But, you know, they're going to have to consolidate at some point. Whether that's trading Cam Reddish and Bogdan Bogdanovich to get somebody an upgrade, because this team's deep too. So I don't know if they're going to consolidate. I don't know if they're going to land that big fish, but they made themselves very flexible to make moves. They're paying their guys. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with DeAndre Hunter. Cam Reddish, I can't imagine them, them extending for a great deal of money just because of how many other big contracts they have on the books. Capella signed a two-year extension. John Collins just signed his restricted free agent contract this summer. Trey Young just signed his five-year extension. They just signed Bogdan last offseason. They signed Gallinari last offseason. And now they just signed Herder for four for 65. So that's five guys you're paying already. And DeAndre Hunter is going to need to get paid next summer. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do between DeAndre Hunter and Reddish. But they're going to have to pay these guys in order to keep the core together. I think Cam Reddish's days are numbered just because of that. Because, you know, you can't pay seven-plus guys on 12-plus million-dollar deals. So I think he's going to be moved. I don't know what kind of packaging. They could definitely get a first-round pick for him if they want. Um... Maybe they move Gallinari if they can with Kitten Reddish because Jalen Johnson looked awesome in summer league. He looked awesome in preseason. He was actually number six on my big board. I was a huge Jalen Johnson fan going into this draft. And, you know, they got him as a steal. Maybe, you know, they move Gallinari and his contract with Cam Reddish in order to make those minutes for Jalen Johnson. So, you know, it's interesting to see how these things play out. I am fascinated by the fact that DeAndre Aiden and Marvin Bagley both didn't get extended. I don't know if there's ever been a draft class where both the number one and number two picks didn't receive rookie extensions. I know the last number one pick to not get the rookie extension was Anthony Bennett in 2013, but the number two pick that year was Oladipo with Orlando. 
And for my recollection, Oladipo, that was when he signed like that four-year, I think it was like $66 million contract, where he's making like 17 and a half a year, just about. And then, you know, he got traded to OKC for the Sergi Baca move and so on and so forth. But anyway, Sacramento now announced today that Marvin Bagley will not be in the rotation to start the year. And can I say I'm not that surprised? I mean, Sacramento needs to let him prove, or not prove, they, Sacramento needs to let him play through his mistakes. But the thing is, Luke Walden is the worst coach in the NBA. And I don't think that's a secret. And Luke Walden is very well likely coaching for his job. So he can't afford to let Marvin Bagley play through his mistakes. Why hasn't Sacramento traded him? I don't know. I saw somebody on Twitter today. I apologize because I remember who it was. I would give them credit if I were to remember. But they basically said Marvin Bagley to OKC for Derek Favors, Ty Jerome, and a first. OKC has cap space, so they don't, and they have multiple trade exceptions. They don't even need to include, you know, um, Derek Favors or Ty Jerome for that matter. They just, as long as they have a roster spot, they could just take Marvin Bagley into one of those trade exceptions or cap space and, you know, trade. I don't even think he's worth the first at this point. I think maybe two seconds will get it done. But speaking of OKC, I said they are one of three teams this summer to have cap space with, um, who was it, San Antonio and Orlando. And the most fascinating free agent this summer, I think, is going to be Colin Sexton. Because Colin Sexton is going to be restricted, and I don't know if the Cavs could afford to pay him because they have... Larry Marketing under contract now. Caleb obviously has one more year after this year. But they're going to have to pay Garland. They're eventually going to have to pay Mobley. They're going to have to pay Okoro. They paid Jaron Allen five years, $100 million. I mean, they got expensive fast. So I, I just, I see them signing and trading Colin Sexton next year if they still even have him at this point. I'm actually pretty surprised they didn't move him over the offseason to a team like the Knicks. I projected in the mock offseason, I always do, on the NBA goal, and I'll be doing it on this podcast as well. But I basically had him in the mock offseason going to the Knicks for Obi Toppin, and I believe it was Kevin Knox to make salaries work. But anyway, it wouldn't shock me if OKC traded for Colin Sexton. I think he'd be a great fit alongside SGA. I think Lou Dort stays there numbered because I think they should cash out on his value. And quite frankly, I mean, OKC has what, like 31 picks in the next six drafts? There's only 15 roster spots plus two two-ways. They're going to have to consolidate those picks eventually. And, you know, start. the whole point of getting those draft picks is to get assets. whether they're And to get young assets. Colin Sexton, you know what he is. He has 24 points a game in the NBA. You know he could be a lead guard for you, but you don't need him to be the lead guard. You have him play alongside SGA, and I think they've complement each other really, really well. So with that said, would it shock me if, you know, by the trade deadline, OKC offers a first rounder and a second rounder for Sexton, and then they extend him? Or would it shock me if, when the offseason comes, they sign and trade for him and give a first and a second in the offseason so the Cavs don't match it? No, it wouldn't shock me at all. So, that's my best prediction for where I think Colin Sexton was because he was probably the most notable guy aside from DeAndre Aiden that didn't get his extension. And I understand why. Cleveland, you know, they're probably going to be the worst luxury tax-paying team in NBA history 
if, you know, things don't improve soon. So, yeah, that's my opinion of the rookie extensions. I think most deals were pretty fair. I think Grayson Allen and Landry Shamit are a tad overpaid. But Landry Shamit, I could stomach a little better now that I know it's only two years guaranteed and not four. And again, I'm a huge Jaron Jackson fan, huge Michael Porter Jr. fan. Those guys got to stay healthy. And MPJ hasn't had that much injury concerns since, you know, he redshirted his rookie year and, you know, came back in the bubble season, played last year well. I'm excited. I actually, on my preseason predictions podcast, I had MPJ making an all-NBA team. So that's how high I am on him this year. Um, It wouldn't shock me if he wins most improved player. It wouldn't shock me if Jaron Jackson won most improved player. I think they're two of, I think they're both future superstars and both going to be top 10 players in the NBA one day. So these guys are locking their young studs up now. They're in most of these extensions. Actually, I'm saying most of them. Let me check. Just about all of them, depending what you want to consider Dallas and Atlanta, they're all small market teams locking up their young stars. And that's what small market teams need to do. Because if you want to compete with the big markets, you got to draft well, develop well, and then keep your players happy. And that's what a lot of these teams are doing. And you got to respect it. That's how we see these teams like the Milwaukee Bucks win it all. Because they drafted Giannis and developed him. They traded for Chris Middleton in the Brandon Jennings trade and developed him. They did trade for Drew Holiday. I'll give you that. But their player development is subpar. Look at Jordan Nuala now. Had a great Olympic run or Olympic qualify and a great Olympic qualifying run. Had a great preseason. Now tonight in the season opener, you know, he's playing meaningful minutes for them. So... And just goes to show how these small market teams need to compete. I'm excited for these small market teams. I'm excited for these young players that have more money than know what more money than what they know what to do with. And yeah, it's it's a very exciting time to be an NBA fan because of all this young talent. The 2018 draft class deserves this. So you guys could rate and review me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow me on Twitter at the underscore NBA goal. I believe the Bird Rights Podcast is now going to have its official launch now that I'm releasing this episode. And thanks for listening, guys. I will talk to you next episode. Happy NBA season.